702. The car feature. It is car feature time and we are with uh, our technical car expert and specialist, Nicol Lowe. And we are taking your calls on 011-8830702. The SMS is 31702. Your tweets at Rilebukhile M at Radio 702. Using the hashtag 702 Afternoons and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Nicol, how are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing very well and good afternoon to our listeners. So you are going to be chatting to us around starting a non-starter. I think I need help understanding what a non-starter is. I think it's exactly what the word says. So you want to go and the car doesn't want to go. That is, that's the main thing. Um, but yeah, let's kick off the conversation. I had an interesting phone call from a friend and it, it's mostly related to classic cars. Some of us have, are fortunate to have an old classic car there in a garage somewhere or parked somewhere. You don't drive it very often and in one time you want to take it out, it doesn't want to start. The engine doesn't want to start. So let's just talk about if you're a bit handy um, and you want to investigate yourself, there's a few things that you can check, just basic things to make sure that everything's in order. Why is it not starting? We're talking about petrol engines. Most of the classics are still uh, petrol engine. And they all used to have uh, carburetors before we got to fuel injection and all those kind of nice electronic control systems. So what you first need to do if you're in an event, and it also um, applies to the modern vehicles as well. Obviously, some of the components changed a bit. But what you need for an engine to start is you need it to uh, for the starter motor to turn it at the right speed. So you need a battery that's sort of uh, in good condition. That's the first thing that you need. Um, so what you can do is if you've got a multimeter, these voltmeters, a battery in a good condition should read about 12.5 volts if you, if you read it, uh, uh, measure it across the terminals. Um, so you definitely need a strong battery to start off with. And you know your car as well. If you turn the key and you listen to the, the rotational speed of the engine, is it the normal rotational speed? Because sometimes when the battery is going, sometimes it will read the correct voltage, but when you listen to the speed that the engine is turning, it, it, it's very slow sometimes. You know, okay, something is wrong. Either it's a starter motor or a, or the battery isn't isn't up to scratch. So that's the first thing you can check. So once you're sure that the battery is fine and it's actually turning over the engine at the correct speed, now it only needs fuel and it needs spark to be able to start. So if it doesn't start, one of those are not there, one of those are missing. So let's start, we've talked about electricity and the battery, let's go the spark route. So you expect then when the engine is turning over for the spark plugs to spark. So what you can do, if you're lucky to have a, a spare spark plug lying around, you can pull one of the plug leads off, connect the spare spark plug, ground it on the engine block while somebody is uh, turning over the engine. You can look at the spark plug and see if you can see a spark between electrodes. If you haven't got a spare one, you can just take out one of the spark plugs and do the same. And you can do that with each one of the spark plug leads. So if it's a four-cylinder, there will be four spark plug leads and there should be a spark coming from the spark plug when the engine is turning over to start on all of the, the four uh, plug leads. So that's an easy thing to do. And if there's no spark, then you know the engine won't run. Even if it's got fuel that's going into the cylinders, uh, it won't run if there's no spark. So then you can sort of trace it back to uh, the older cars used to have distributors and um, also your points and condensers and so on. So the problem might lie there. Um, if you see that 
there is indeed spark. So the spark plugs are sparking, and it's a, it's quite a. If you haven't seen one before, the spark is like a, a blue, very easy to spot, and it's um, obviously when it's turning over, it's quite fast as well. Um, so if there's spark, then the only outstanding um, item or component or what you want to call it uh, there is then fuel. So somehow then fuel is not reaching the the engine or the cylinder. So. Um, what you then can do on the old uh, carburetor engine is a trick that I've seen is uh, take a bit of fuel. If you've got some fuel there for the lawnmower or something, you just need a small amount. I mean, I'm talking about a little capful, um, and you chuck it down the throat of the carburetor. Or um, some of the people out there will know about the quick start spray. That's sort of a spray which mimics fuel. You can spray in the, in the intake or you can spray it down the throat of the carburetor. And what it will do then is if the engine then catches, so if you turn it over then and it starts for a short duration and then dies again, then you know, okay, it's actually starting because of that little amount of fuel that you put in there, but it's not getting the main supply of fuel. Then it's easy to then sort of start tracing back why is the main supply not getting to the engine. It might be a low fuel level, so maybe there's just not fuel in the car. Maybe that's one of the things to to test or to check before you start with any of the testing, is there enough fuel in the car? Then is your fuel pump working? Is it actually kicking on the fuel pump? Sometimes with these older cars, you can actually hear the fuel pump going once you uh, got the ignition on. And then to make sure that the, the fuel is then getting to the carburetor, or even if it's a fuel-injected uh, vehicle, if it's getting fuel to the injectors, um, but yeah, those are the, the things you can look at for uh, a non or non-starter. Let's call it a non-starter then. Um, and then it's also obviously the vehicle was parked in a good condition, and next time you get to it, it's not it's not starting. It's not like one that had a massive engine failure. Next time you get to it, you won't fix it with these couple of steps. All right, Nicola, and I think um, you've quite assisted. I'm busy sitting and I'm thinking, who are those people that are sitting with old classics at their their homes? And what qualifies as an old classic? <laughs> yeah, it used to be, I said, 25 or 30 years. I can't remember now. It always used to be when you don't have to pay any road tax anymore. That's sort of <laughs> been a classic. And I, I think it's it's 30 years. Some, uh, I can stand to be corrected. But yeah, we almost talk about modern classics now because... I think the time is flying past now that you can't believe it. I mean, if you think about uh, early 2000s, the cars that were available in South Africa back then, are probably talking about Golf 4s. Mm. We're now at Golf 8. So wow. you're talking about modern classics, maybe even like a Golf VR6 might be seen as some of the modern classic. But the classic cars I'm talking about is like your uh, VW Beetle mm. and your old Triumphs and... Uh, yeah, the, all the MGs and British cars, all the classics there, and then also obviously American cars and so on. But yeah, classic cars, I think 30 years and older. All right, Nickel, thank you so much uh, for how to start a non-starter. For those that are fortunate to be in that position, uh, this will be podcast for those of us that uh, are working on building our car collections and having classics in our garages. We take your calls on 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Time for all of your technical car issues that you have for Nicolo. 702. The car feature. Dave from Pretoria, how are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. And how are you? I am good. I'm good. Go ahead. Yeah, Nicole, uh, 
I've got 2008 uh, Porsche Cayenne S model. And sometimes it pop uh, the warning light that says oil pressure monitoring failure. And you check the oil, the oil is okay. And sometimes that light just goes for a week or two. It comes again. Whenever you don't think about it, you check the oil, the oil is fine. The car is from service, been serviced. So I don't know what could be. Um, Dave? Yes. Okay, we just lost you. So you're saying you don't you don't know what could be the, 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 the issue. Yeah, I just want to know what could be the, the problem for this mm-hmm. light to come in this week then after two weeks doesn't come, it come mm-hmm. again, you know. So I just want to know what, what could be the the the, the problem. Okay. And so uh, is it safe to 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 drive it because it drives normal, no any challenge. So I just want to know whether all right, no problem. Let's uh, discuss it. It's a first-generation Cayenne. That's almost a modern classic as well, so nice there. Um, when it comes to oil pressure in a vehicle, then uh, that's obviously your, where you set the oil pressure warning. So some, some of these modern vehicles will have oil pressure and oil level. Um, so just make sure it is indeed. You said you've checked the oil level. That's fine. So it's indeed an oil pressure. So what it will be is it will be a sensor. Um, that fits into an oil gallery. Sometimes that sensor fits close to the oil filter. So what it does is actually a simple switch with a a spring-loaded diaphragm that will either connect or not connect. So when you key on in your vehicle, that light will be on the instrument cluster always because there's no oil pressure then currently in the engine. And when it starts, the oil pressure bolts and then it switches this switch, which is a diaphragm that sees the pressure and it then... Um, it breaks the contact which lights the bulb on the instrument cluster and it needs to go away. That tells you that the engine's got oil pressure now. So when something happens, like for example, say the, the oil level is too low or you lost oil for some reason, uh, the oil pressure might go or your, your oil pump, high pressure oil pump uh, goes, then you lose all the oil pressure on the engine and that a uh, little switch diaphragm will close the contact. It will show you the light in the instrument cluster. And if it's a real problem, then I think you won't be driving at this stage because if you lose oil pressure on a motor, then you can damage your bearings. You can, remember, you can imagine all the moving parts in your engine needs oil at pressure. So if there's no oil pressure, you'll have damage very quickly on that engine. So the fact that you're still driving the car tells me that I think it's an electrical issue rather than a real situation of low oil pressure. So I would rather okay. take it to an auto electrician to check that that uh, switch is not faulty or there's not a, a short or a, or a short to ground on that circuit which gives you a false warning of low oil pressure where it's it actually not a true situation. But as I said, mm. if there's a true situation, you already would have had damage. Um, I've worked on previous OEM programs where they actually thought of even deleting that feature because they say once you have real oil, low oil pressure, the damage mm. happens so quickly that you cannot always uh, even uh, avoid it. People will say if you see low oil pressure, switch off the engine immediately, coast, and then have the vehicle towed. Even in that situation, you sometimes will have damage already. So it is a very dangerous situation to have low oil pressure, but your situation sounds like it's a misdiagnosis of low oil pressure. Because this has been running, I think, for, for uh, 12 months now. 
Yeah, no, that, I think it's electrical guy, issue. I just came back from service, I think, three weeks back. And I saw the light just uh, last week. Yeah, I, I think it's electrical I, I or it's a sensor problem. Oil level is okay. So maybe it might be that there's some wire. Yes, yes or the sensor itself. Yes, 100%. Okay. No, it's fine. No, thank you so much, Nicola. Dave, all the best. I'm, I'm wondering, Dave, do you have any other classic cars in your garage? Yeah. I've got the old Granada, you know the old Granada, Ford Granada 3.0. Oh wow, so are you actually like collecting? Not really. Oh, the network just went really, really bad there. I would have loved to hear what Dave had to say there on his uh, collection. We're taking your calls on all of your technical car issues. Say, share all of the details. O double one double eight three zero seven zero two in the WhatsApp line. O seven two seven zero two one seven zero two. Lance says, "I drive a twenty seventeen Fortuner two point eight four by four. I've just bought four XBF Goodrich two five uh, R eighteen all terrain K O two. What pressure for normal highway driving? Advice from the the dealer fitment center BFG website." 4x4 forum, Google, etc. varies between 1.8 and 2.6 bar. Please help. Okay, so obviously it's an aftermarket tire fitted to the vehicle. I don't think it's standard on a, on a Fortuner. But remember, the tire pressure, I would say, is more to do with the vehicle mass than a specific tire um, in a sense that I would still stick to the Toyota uh, pressures or tire pressures recommended for that vehicle. So if you open the, I think it's either on the driver's door or passenger door, sometimes it's in the fuel flap or it's in the owner's manual that will tell you the the tire pressure for empty driving, uh, half load driving, and then obviously uh, fully loaded at GVM. I personally would stick to those pressures, um, but you can obviously also contact BF Goodrich uh, directly, BF Goodrich uh, South Africa, and see if they can give you any information. But in the meantime, I would rather stick to the manufacturer uh, figures for, for pressure. Thank you so much uh, for that question that's come through. Lance, let's go to Lungi in Johannesburg. Hi, Lungi. Hi, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Yes. I am in 2014 Audi. Q5S, 3-liter engine, diesel. It has that the, it keeps, there's a light that keeps flashing randomly once in a while. It says it's an engine management light, engine management system, and it will say switch off the car, switch off the engine, I switch it off, and then I switch it on, don't see it, out of nowhere, flashes again. What could that be? Okay, so the engine management light is normally an amber uh, sign on the instrument cluster that looks like a small engine. That light is mostly connected to anything that can go wrong in the engine sensor-wise or or system-wise, which uh, involves the emissions of the vehicle. So it's a regulated light. So on a diesel engine, it can be linked to the injectors, it can be linked to the high-pressure fuel pump, it can be uh, even even sometimes uh, the boost pressure, for example. So 
the problem is that light is connected to many fault paths and the only way to know what is actually illuminated is is to get a diagnostic test done on on that vehicle to see what fault code it actually is connected to that light otherwise you'll never know and it it sounds like it's an intermittent fault so sometimes it will happen sometimes not and when when you key off and you stop the engine those faults mm-hmm. sort of uh, sometimes gets cleared, and it, for the next drive cycle, it will think it's fine until it detects it again. So maybe it needs some entry conditions uh, before that fault happens, and it might not even happen every drive cycle, but those fault codes are always stored in, in memory. So if a diagnostic okay. test is done, it will tell you the fault code, and it is linked to a certain fault path. So that is the best way to see what is actually causing this, and then you can sort of deep dive into the specifics to see what is causing it and see if you can fix it. That's the best way of doing it. Wow. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, you. Lu- thank you so much, uh, Lungi, for your call. Nicolo, thank you so much, as always, for getting to all of the technical car issues that we need to address, and we will be back together soon.